hello everyone. My name is Grace Gasperi and I will be your host for this week's Lead News Podcast. This week we have a very diverse group of segments for you, including an interview with our principal about his car and tips on gaining a positive mindset. Let's begin with Clara in the happy place for those mindset tips. Hello there lovelies, welcome to Happy Place. In my segment, we will find different ways to have a more positive mindset. Today's tips will be about how to set yourself up for a great day. Alrighty, the first thing you can do in the morning is to avoid using loud, infuriating beeping noises. I cannot tell you how annoying it is to hear the default iPhone alarm at 6.20 a.m. I just can't do it. So, instead try using a more upbeat sound that will get you grooving out of bed. My second tip for you is to stretch after you wake up. Since you've been sleeping for hopefully 7-9 to hours, your muscles and tendons will need a good stretch. You should especially stretch if you had any pain in your body from that night. It will increase your blood flow and prepare your body for the day ahead. Another really great way to start the day will be playing your favorite tunes while getting ready for your amazing day. Who doesn't love singing into a hairbrush? I mean, I do it every day. It's become a part of my daily routine. My last tip for you is very important. When you wake up, try putting your favorite quote on your mirror or anywhere you look when you first wake up. It could be just a simple, you got this, or you're beautiful. There are multiple ways you can go with putting your quotes on your mirror. For example, you could write it with lipstick or even printing it out and taping it. Quotes are really important because they give you what I call a second voice that echoes your thoughts, beliefs, opinions, and claims. So if you wake up every day thinking that you're amazing and you're gonna get your work done, then there is a higher chance that you will achieve those things. This week's quote to keep your mind motivated is, happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, or worn. It is a spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. Dennis Whaley. Goodbye, lovelies, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for those tips, Clara. I will definitely be using them myself. Now, on to Matthew Broom with an interview with Matthew Nunez and Emily Cox in Senior Smackdown. Hello, I'm Matthew Broom with Senior Smackdown, and I'm here with Matthew Nunez. Hi, guys. And Emily Cox. Hello. And I'm here asking you guys about senior activities. So my first question is, what lessons have you learned from high school that you're going to use in college? So well for me, what I'm going to say is that something really important that I learned from Lead is that you always have to be flexible with your time and activities. You have to make sure that you budget your time properly. And I feel like that's going to translate really nicely to college. Yeah, I agree with Matthew. Time management is definitely a skill that you need to develop early on in order to bring to college to prepare yourself. 
and can't say it's something I've done. <laughs> Why are you graduating early? I decided that if I graduate early, it's gonna provide me with more time to get some prerequisite credits out of the way before college, so I plan to go to MCC for a semester. Does anybody know when they're going, where they're going to school in the fall? Um, as of now, I'm planning to go to Missouri S&T, which is a science and technology division of MU. I'm also gonna apply to UCSD. University of California, San Diego. What are you guys going to miss the most about moving on? I'm going to miss, miss being able to see so many of my school friends on a daily basis. I know I'm going to gain more, but I'm really going to miss some of my friends. Yeah, I think splitting up for college and people going all over the nation. Ten years from now, where would you want to be in life? I would like to be Dr. Nunez, the doctor of environmental science. And I want to have world domination by then. In 10 years, I see myself. Hopefully, I have completed my master's degree in mechanical engineering and am working in a credible institution while I'm making big girl money. Final question. Uh, what advice do you have for any new people entering high school and leave? Uh, I would definitely say that you have to have a lot of personal motivation and kind of a vision of wanting to have a better future. Like, sure, everyone doesn't love school. It's not the path for everyone, but just taking this time to figure out who you want to be in the future and maybe what you want to grow up to do is kind of the focus and don't stress yourself out on your grades sure it's good to have that but I don't know always think about yourself first mm. not other people I would say pick an activity or something that you love so that you can follow it through your high school career because colleges really look for kinds of devotion whenever they're picking good candidates and it will just give you a really nice opportunity to bond with your team and or activity people. Yeah, definitely uh, surround yourself with a community and kind of make an effort to put yourself out there because the only thing keeping you kind of going would I would say personally would be the friends I've made and just having connections within my class where I can always look to people for help. Well thank you for your time. Thank you. This has been your senior smackdown. Thank you so much, Matthew. Now, on to Alyssa and Miss Jackson talking about Miss Jackson's travel experience. Hello, my name is Alyssa Muller, and I am here with Miss Jackson. Miss Jackson, can you tell us who you are? Wow, that's kind of a loaded question. Well, if you listen to popular pop songs, people are always sorry. 
and I think it's I'm nasty, but that's not actually true. I'm just a, a woman who's been a teacher for going on 19 years, and I'm an avid sports fan. So I've heard that you've gone backpacking through Europe. I have. Could you tell us about how you first got that idea or how you started planning that trip? Well, it actually all started with getting my master's degree. It took a couple years and wanted to do kind of a big trip to celebrate the end of that kind of accomplishment. And so some girlfriends and I got together and we decided to start planning this trip and started saving for it, you know, putting the finance piece in there. So when we, two of us were working on our master's and we finished, in the spring that summer we took this trip and it was probably i would say one of the best trips of my life so how did you choose who you went with was it just these people graduated at the same time as me or did you make sure that they were trustworthy and if so how did you do that? yeah we were all friends one of the young ladies there was four of us total one of my roommates actually went and she had done a similar trip to this before so we kind of had a person on our team that was a little bit more experienced and then we kind of planned our route we kind of planned on how we were going to get from place to place in Europe they do a lot of traveling by train so one thing that we did is we bought a your rail pass and that just allows you to kind of hop on trains here and there and you already have kind of a like a season pass so you don't have to keep buying different tickets there were a few things that we a few locations we flew to because when you go from place to place, you kind of have to plan the best route. We took a few flights. There was one in particular that I thought, this is it, this is where it ends. Family's never gonna get my body back, but here we go. Kind of chalked it up to an adventure. Where were you flying to? We were flying out of Paris to Barcelona, Spain. We started off in London, flew into London uh, from the States, and then we hit the ground running. The time change kind of jacked with us a little bit in that it was 8 a.m. London time, but it was actually about 2 a.m. our time. We chose not to go to bed. We chose to sightsee. So we were up for probably about 36, 48 hours. That's just being excited that you're in a new place. And when we, from London, we flew to Paris. And then from Paris, we flew to Barcelona. And then from there, we used a lot of train systems. But that flight, there was a lot of turbulence. And I, I don't take for granted flying here in the United States because it's a little smoother. <laughs> where in Europe did you visit? And where was the coolest thing you saw or the most interesting? OK, so we started off in London and then went to Paris and then went to Barcelona, Spain. From there, we flew into Italy and we did the Rome situation. I think Rome is probably my favorite place on Earth. From Rome, we went, we did an overnight in Milan. Milan has a lot to offer. I wish we would have had a little bit more time there. We then went to Italian town on the coast. It's called Cinque Terre. It's like five small towns in a row. They're two minute train rides apart. That was kind of our midway point. It was kind of our break. We spent a couple days there. We got to do a beach day. That was kind of our breathing moment. Then we got on the train and dropped our stuff off from the train station, ran, saw the Leaning Tower of Pisa, ran back to the train, got on it. We went to Venice and spent a few days. And then from Venice, we kind of made our way back up to London and then went home. And in total, it was about three weeks that we lived out of backpack. Yeah, it was interesting. What and where? was the biggest cultural shock? Oh my. The first cultural shock I had was in Paris. 
London, they speak obviously English, and so you could kind of get by even with what I would equate to as an accent. I mean, it was very much like we kind of knew going and how to speak the language. When we got to Paris, it was kind of a culture shock. Um, they're not as uh, open, I would say, as some other countries are to the United States and to American citizens. They weren't rude by any means. I've always heard that, but we just kind of had to make our own way a little bit. There's a Paris subway episode that, like, I really thought we were, this was, again, the end. But Spain was very, like, I understandable, and I really enjoyed looking at that culture. But I would say Italy, there were parts of it that I felt very at home, very welcomed. I had never been outside the U.S. before, and so this was my first and only experience. And I'm so glad I did because it opened my eyes to other cultures and now I feel like I'm way more open even to other cultures besides what I saw. I want to learn about them and I'm just I kind of don't feel like we're the center of the universe anymore. That view has been broadened. Could you tell us about that Paris train station? Yeah we what would equate to basically the subway system like in New York City Paris has theirs and we got off the plane from the airport and we hit the subway to get to basically our hostel for the next couple days and we had no idea where we were going. Everything was in French. We were trying to look at a map. Here's three very much American looking girls trying to find their way. This older man came up to us, was like, come with me, come with me, I'll show you. We kind of went with them, and the whole time, out of the four of us, there were two of us kind of walking in front. I was behind, and so I was unclipping my big hiker backpack that I was wearing because I thought this is, he's gonna lead us down a tunnel, and we're gonna get mugged, and they're gonna take everything, and I am ready to fight to the death. So my adrenaline was fired up. Two of us were ready to start to throw down, and the other two were kind of like, okay, he was probably an angel because he led us right to what subway train we should have gotten on, and we did, and we were fine. But at the time, I thought, this is it. This is, this is, this is going to be do or die. <laughs> I've heard there is a difference between how Americans act and how people in Europe act. Mm -hmm. As in, Americans are more likely to come up and speak to you and like have a conversation compared to Europeans. Mm -hmm. Is this true in your experience? Yes and no. I think like here, obviously, we just kind of have our own culture and our own way of doing things. For instance, when I would sit down at a restaurant in Rome, Italy, they would bring over like sparkling water and they would ask us like if we wanted champagne. They were very attentive. They were very friendly. Here, like when you sit down, usually the waiter or waitress comes over, what would you like to drink? And you go get it. So there were places that I went like Barcelona that there was a street market that was fantastic. You very much barter for what you're buying. There's not just a set price. And I think like here in America, we are we are very much like, oh, a pound is $3.99. Okay, here you go. Whereas there, they expect the haggling and that took a little getting used to. And then it just became fun for, <laughs> for the day where we just continued to do that. But the only time I ever felt kind of I would say like I'm in the way was in Paris, but I also like we would pop into a small bakery or you know like a, a little French pub of some kind and eat. And I, I feel like we were trying to find kind of again experience their culture and maybe we should have stuck to some of the touristy spots. We were just really happy to be there. So. Is there anything else you'd like to tell me about your experience? 
I would say if you have a chance to travel abroad now that COVID is somewhat past and we're kind of in our new normal and things have opened back up, it's made me want to travel even more and go to different places. I would say don't be afraid of it. What I think we get used to is kind of our bubble and the way we grow is getting out of our bubble and this was a huge kind of leap. I know my family that stayed here was extremely nervous about us traveling just because you you tend to hear the horror stories and I did not watch any like hostile movies before we went. <laughs> but don't be afraid to kind of rough it and to experience new things. I think that's that's how you grow and I would go back to Italy in a heartbeat. All right, thank you. Yeah. That was Alyssa, Miss Jackson, talking about travel experiences. Now for our final segment of the day, Mason with Car Talks. Hello and welcome to Car Talks. My name is Mason Wright, and today we have three interviews for you. Go ahead and take it away. I am Chris Early, and I'm the principal here at Lead Innovation Studio. All right, Mr. Early. First question I have for you is... What kind of car do you drive? Okay, you can't laugh at me too hard. I drive a 2018 Ford EcoSport. Yeah, you're holding you're not, it in. Let me not yeah, laugh. I know, I know, I know. I'm with you. It's okay. Yep. I drive a 2008 Subaru. My bumper's held on by zip ties at the moment. <laughs> so I can't say anything. So tell me about the car. Why yeah. did you choose it? Uh, the answer is pretty simple, and it does serve a purpose. I basically just wanted a cheap four-wheel drive, and it's that's what I got. It's a cheap four-wheel drive. It's not very fancy, not very big, but it does get around really well in the snow. Mm-hmm. You know, from thinking about on like days when you know we have when we have snow days, you may not realize this. Principals still have to come to work, so okay. it's not super pretty to look at, but it serves its purpose. Okay. So what are what is something that you really really like about the car? I would say, well, other than the fact that it serves its purpose. It does have a couple little nice things on it. You know, it's got like the heated seats and the sunroof. So those are things that make my wife happy. That that makes me happy. You know, just a couple little things like that. It doesn't have much get up and go, but you know, heated seats are nice. Heated seats are always a plus. Yeah. What is something you don't really like about the car? What is something I don't like about it? Well, like I said, the fact that it doesn't have much get up and go, not that I'm like out racing it or anything, but like seriously, if I take it to Sam's to pick up a bunch of groceries, like it's, mm-hmm. it's like a struggle sometimes. <laughs> like I'm like, come on, let's get home. And it just like, it, it takes its time on the highway. So okay. yeah, not super fast. That's probably a good thing. I personally have a lead foot. Yes, so. I do too. Yeah, I've maybe gotten a couple tickets here and there. So this maybe is helping me out a little bit. Uh, yeah. So what is your dream car? My dream car. This is probably a weird answer, but I would say my dream car would be the car that I was given when I was 16. I had a 79 Firebird. Oh, my grandpa has one. I love that thing. And I've always, I would give it, what was funny is it was a really reliable car, but when I went off to college, my mom was like, no, you can't, that's not a reliable car. And she bought me like kind of a piece of junk to replace it. And it was an (laughs) awesome car. And uh, it did have a lot of get up and go. It probably was way too much get up and go for a 16 year old kid. Yeah. But I've always thought that if I ever could, I would love to have a completely rebuilt, redone 79 Firebird. Now, you said you wanted to rebuild it. Yeah. So would you do any specific modifications to the car? Like, would you switch it from a carburetor to fuel injection? Okay, see, now, you, now you're you're talking way out of my league. <laughs> like, I can barely change my own oil here. I get here. that. I get so that. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you the one thing I've envisioned, and this mm-hmm. is probably like, this would make car purists really, really mad. But the one thing I've envisioned, if I could do this, the outside and under the hood would basically be all the same. You know, it'd be true 79 Firebird. But like the inside would have some of the modern amenities and, and stuff I like mean, that. 
my favorite thing every time I go out to car shows, because I go out to car shows all the time, yeah. is when you see these older, like, 67, 68s, yeah. like, these really, and they're completely redone, the inside, it looks like you just walked into a 2022 car. Yeah, and I know, like, some, like, purists would be like, no, Oh, you yeah, no, you can't do that. But I, I would love that. That would be cool. Who cares about what the purists say? Right. It's a purist. It's they're my just, dream car, right? Exactly. There you you're go. the one that owns it. You're the one that drives it. So at the end of the day, you're the one that has to be happy with Exactly. It. There was, I'm just going to give a little personal experience. There was a 60, it was a 68 Impala. Yeah. Right? And it was one of my personal dream cars. Is I really want a 67. So right there, it was very close. But you walk up, you walk around the car, it looks like it was fresh out of the factory. Yeah. Straight from 1968, fresh out of the factory. Then you sit down, it's got a touch screen. There you go. It's got, yes. Like, you, you, there's nothing that can really go wrong with the car. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Money was no object. Yeah. What car would you build? Oh, like, gosh. Or own or whatever. That may be it, but I would also be, if money were no object, um, 67 Mustang wouldn't be too bad to have. Like me, a 67 Mustang. Uh, of course, you know, if we're, if we're saying money's no object, Okay, so here, you know, I, I know I should probably say something like a Lamborghini or something like that, but <laughs> I'm a huge nerd if you haven't already figured that out. So I would go with something like a DeLorean, you know, the Back to the Future car. Oh, that, that would be there cool. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you <laughs> I go. I love, like, dude, the DeLoreans were super futuristic, right? in my opinion. Like, yeah. I love the way that the doors came open with right? the, what do they call that? Like, butterfly Gullings. doors? Gullwing doors. Gullwing yeah. doors? So, yeah. yeah. So, can you picture me rolling up here to leave? That would be, yeah. you You walking out of there, I can yeah. see you in there that you car, like, right now. I can see that happening. Yeah. yeah. That would honestly be really cool. <laughs> well, thank you for your time, Mr. Hey. Early. Nope. My name is Camden, and I am a junior. What kind of car do you drive? I drive a 2006 Nissan Xterra. Uh, tell me about it. Well, it's it's an SUV. It's get you point A to B. It's real nice. It's got it's got some nice space. It's comfortable. It's a 4.0 liter V6. Yeah, it's just it's a nice ride. What's your favorite thing about the car? I don't necessarily know. There's a lot of things I like about the car, like the color red, because one of my favorite colors is red. The comfortability in the car is nice. It feels like home because, you know, not as it only my first car, but it's like, it's just my car. Now, what is your least favorite thing about the car? Easy. There is this random noise whenever I turn on the car. It's like a, a beeping noise that lets you know where your gas mileage is at. Mm -hmm. It'll go from the full point to the halfway marker to the low marker, and it'll make this weird, annoying beeping sound. That's my least favorite part about the car because it's annoying. <laughs> what is your favorite car? I have a couple of favorites, but one of mine is a 1970 Dodge Charger RT. That is one nice car. Now, can you tell me why you like that car? I was first introduced to cars from the Fast and the Furious franchise, and the first like car movie I've ever seen was the first Fast and the Furious movie. I just remember the, the last scene in the movie where Paul Walker and Ben Diesel were racing, and you know they almost got hit by that train. Mm -hmm. I just I was introduced to that Charger, and I absolutely loved it with the big blower on it, that nice black, those chromey wheels. Oh. That thing is just sexy, you know. Man, that... Ten second car, nine hundred horsepower. Nine hundred horsepower. That's a lot of horses. It is. <laughs> Other than the Fast and Furious, what has kept you within the car? Diversity. Can you That's elaborate it. on that a little bit? I mean, you got you got American muscle, you got Japan, you got you got like. All these different kind of car brands. You got German, 
you know, Germans are some of the best engineers in the world since, you know, Stone Age. So it's crazy because, you know, you got you got performance cars, you got gas mileage cars, you got economic cars, you, your cruise cars, you, you know, you got so many different type of vehicles out there in the world and you got coupes, you know, you got your two-door, your four-door, you got your SUVs and you got your trucks. So, I mean, there's just, I'd say it's diversity and what you can do to cars, just modifications, because, I mean, it's your car. You're, you can do whatever you want to a vehicle, to be honest. One last question. If money was not the issue and you could build a car, what would you build? Ooh, that's, that's a difficult one. <laughs> there are so many cars I want. Trust me, it's so hard for me to choose, too. <laughs> I know I said that one of my favorite cars is a 1970 Dodge Charger. Mm -hmm. I don't want to stick with that same answer. I want to I want to switch it up on a car I build. A 1997 Nissan GTR R33 Skyline. That's, <laughs> other than the 32 and the 34, I'd say that's like my favorite Skyline. I don't know why, it's just more appealing to me. Because I mean, you look at the 32 and it's, it's an absolute monster. You look at the 34, it's an absolute monster. But I think the 33 is a great crossover of both. With the back lights, the front lights, it's like, it's, it's just- it, I, It's I got the rear the end of the, of the 34 and it's got the front end of 32 and it's just the I, I love the way that the 33s are and the way they look sadly their performance isn't up to par with the 32 or the 34 right and also their parts are a lot less common than they are for the other ones right but again this is in a world where money ain't a problem mm -hmm. so what would you do to the car stock base model like no spoiler no nothing just just kind of the body okay I'd say I'd paint the car sky blue. I want I want a spoiler on it. I don't want like a super big fancy drift spoiler. I don't want none of that. You know, I just I want the standard Skyline spoiler on it. Chrome delete with whatever comes on the car. You know, okay. all chrome turns black. I'd say black out the logos like the badges. Okay. I'd say black rims. I'd tint the windows. I don't know much about engines, but I know I just I'd soup it up. Probably add a couple tur like two turbos in there. That if you get the GTR, or that's like the most expensive package. Uh, it comes twin turboed with, I think it's like seven already, 700, okay. uh, which is utterly insane. Um, and another thing, they do the same thing they did with the R32 and the R34, where it's a rear wheel based all wheel drive system, where you can take that fuse out and that thing will drift. That'll be the drift machine. See, my Xterra is the same way. It's, yeah. it's an all-wheel drive and two-wheel drive system. Mm -hmm. So, like, summer, spring, autumn, two, I'll drive two-wheel. But when it hits winter, I'll, I'll drive all-wheel. And that was Camden. Now we're going to talk to the freshman, Cohen. My name is Cohen, and I'm a freshman. All right, Cohen. Now, you're a freshman, so you don't drive. I assume. I would hope you don't drive. I don't. <laughs> What do your parents drive? <laughs> That's kind of funny. A Toyota Sienna, 2016, and it's white. Mm. And a 2006 Toyota 4Runner that my mom has actually done a lot of work to, and it's actually kind of nice. Okay, okay. I know that they ain't your car, so I'm not going to ask right. you a million questions on them, so I'll just get, uh, jump right to it. What is your favorite car? 1998 Mark IV Supra. Why? Because the engine, 2JZ. Okay, okay. The 2J is literally the best. There's so many different <laughs> things you can do with the 2J to uh -huh. make it even better than it already is. And it's already really good stock. 
I will agree with you. Tune it, put a bigger turbo, then a smaller turbo, because you want a sequential. <laughs> no twin, no no twin turbos. Uh, twin <laughs> turbos are useful, though. Well, in a, in a drag aspect, they are. Yeah, because then they kind of give you that extra kick at the end if you have the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. But I was going to say, like, I kind of prefer the sequential, because even in a drag, that would still not be bad, because you have that smaller one. Getting yeah, the smaller one, one that feeds into the yeah. bigger one. Um, but the just... reason why I say that if you run a twin setup, like, let's say you run two 32s, mm -hmm. right? They're both running at 32 PSI. You have to get those up to boost before you launch. Right. So you leave in with 64 pounds of boost. <laughs> That's a lot of boost. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of boost. A okay. lot of boost. In that sense, having a sequential really doesn't matter. That is true. But like, but if you're talking like a drift aspect, if you're talking about like a track aspect, yeah. if you're talking about like a street aspect, drift racing, absolutely yes, sequentials are a lot more useful than the twins yeah. are. Yeah. Don't they for drift cars? Don't they usually use sequentials um, for drifting? Because then they get that acceleration they need to get into that drift it's all about different people some people run superchargers some people want to yeah. run turbos some people run naturally aspirated in my opinion naturally aspirated is the best way to run if money wasn't an issue mm -hmm. what car would you build i want specs i want color everything lay it on me um <laughs> what are specs again not to sound like a dumb dumb but engine oh, the stuff that, you do okay. to the engine yeah. the exhaust um, system yeah. i'll go for a as you already know mark IV supra okay um specifically 1998 no other year what's up um, with the 1998 well it's just kind of my favorite number i guess and also because that's the year of the one in fast and furious so you a paul walker fan is yeah. what i'm here <laughs> yeah and I... most of them are pretty much the same but i would get Mark IV Supra, give it a nice pandem wide body. Okay. Um, Ducktail spoiler, turn it into a drift car. Get some drift tires. You know those uh, deep dish rims? I don't know what they're called, but I just call them deep dish. Um, the three piece. Yeah, those. I would want to get one of those because they look freaking amazing. Man, if you ain't running three piece wheels, what's wrong with you? Like, if yeah. you got the money to run a three piece, run then a three run, piece. Yeah. But, um, and probably a blue underglow in the car itself would probably be green. Okay. Because or no, actually flip that around. Blue car, green underglow. Mmm. I like that. Get some of those like nice that. fuzzy dice. <laughs> <laughs> Have it real '90s style. Like yep. That. Fluffy steering wheel. <laughs> oh. You wouldn't be able to drift that even if you tried. <laughs> yeah, because you'd like lose your hand control. Yeah. And that's going to bring this segment to a close. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much, Mason. And that concludes this week's edition of Lead Cast. My name is Grace Gasperi, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you.